and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Monday afternoon. Joining me from Oakland, California, no longer from the undefeated, brand new rebranding of the undefeated called what, Mark Spears? Anscape. Anscape. So, Anscapes, Mark Spears. It's going to take a little while for me to get used to saying that. Yeah. Kevin Pelton joining us from Seattle. Still at ESPN. Yeah. Still at ESPN. <laughs> Still one of our brothers at ESPN. Hey, I'm um, here, one of your brothers at ESPN too, man. That's what I'm saying. You are. That's what I'm saying. You you remain that. Just Anscape. Anscape. Um because you're expanding, not just you, you're going to still cover the NBA and yeah. basketball, but um, Anscape is expanding its footprint for what they're covering. Is that correct? That is correct. And that means swag, Brian. Well, that means we're oh, swag now, too. That's true. I'll we bet you sell gonna... swag before. Now oh, we can. Okay. All right. I'll, I can't wait till I see what you're wearing. I'll oh, you know, I'm going to have that hoodie with the ampersand on the front, you know? That's right. Oh, Get ampersand. It? nice so this this uh, this allows for ampersand usage so that's uh that's that's sweet um all right i'll be checking that out um so i i've i've decided an edict uh that i'm not going to talk about the lakers on this podcast so i'm aware of what's going on there I'm, ch- I'm choosing not to talk about it because i've talked about it on two of the last three podcasts i'm just not gonna okay low hanging fruit I can't. I just can't. I just can't. I, I feel like I owe it to our listeners to not. And I'm already saying too much. I know that it's there. I'm moving past it. However, I don't think I could move past the 76ers who are off to a really good start with James Harden. Now, Spears, I got to say, the last couple of teams that James Harden went to, they got off to really good starts. I'm not going to get a little bit, I'm not going to just lose myself in this initial little burst of energy that a team has when they acquire a star player. That said, I think they're the most compelling team to watch as we go down the rest of the rest of the regular season. What if, what is, is your uh, uh, first impressions of Ben as Harden has come in and had a pretty good couple of first games and the Sixers uh, look like they're on a bit of a streak now? Um, pretty stunned actually that it doesn't look like uh, they just started playing together. It looks extremely comfortable. The two superstars seem to have fit together. And you, and you guys know this from years of covering NBA. Typically, when you make a trade, there's a growing there's growing pains to it, right? Like, a lot of times you don't see what the trade truly means until the next season when they have a training camp, when they have more time together. We did see something different. In 2008, when Pau Gasol got traded to the Lakers to Memphis, that made an amazing impact, got him to the finals. But I, I was a little in, in, in time, like, look, it's early, right? But I did wonder how both of these guys who need the ball to succeed were going to coexist. Um, especially how, in a way that, you know, James could be ball dominant. But man, I, 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 I'm going to apologize to them, man. <laughs> like they, 
they looked unstoppable offensively. They look great. Maxi looks really good along. That's with the thing. Maxi has had two great games so far. And like Embiid has talked about how much space that he's now finding, which I think is sort of a subtweet at Simmons. You know, um, like he you know, every time he talks about something that like Oh man, oh man, I've never had this much space. That's my Embiid impression. Oh, I've never had a guy who could deliver passes like this. Like to me, he's not complimenting Harden there as much as he's ripping Ben because uh, that, um, you know, that <laughs> is still raw. But um, I have to say, Pelton, in these first two games, not only has Maxi gone off because the the gravity that those other two play with force so the defense opens up you know lanes for him to like get speed into Embiid has 40 free throws in the first two games now this small this is even this is smaller than small sample size theater but what has happened is with Harden out there he is giving Embiid the ball in positions where he's on the move and he's got sort of he's moving a little bit more and he, these teams are sort of, he's sort of bouncing off guys and teams are forced to foul him. This is, this an anomaly uh, or is this going to be this free throw, you know, incredible rise that Embiid is getting not hard and Embiid. Well, you've hit on the two things I think that have stood out the most from these first two games. And, you know, it's a combination of things and it's minute sample size. It's also two teams, Minnesota fouls as much as anybody in the league. So that was a, a really favorable landing spot for their first game together. New York, you've got Mitchell Robinson w- picked up two fouls in like what the first 30 seconds of the game fouled out in like 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and, and despite the fact that Jericho Sims did an awesome job before fouling out himself, again, not a situation that's going to be real conducive to not fouling Embiid. But in these you know, first two games together, according to uh, Second Spectrum, 47% of their possessions have come when they're in the bonus on offense. That's nearly double the league average of 24%. And Philly wasn't actually, despite Embiid, that much higher than league average before this adding Harden. So what this means is it's not only all the times that Embiid is getting fouled and he's going up to shoot. It's also you're jostling for position with Embiid in the post and you foul him, bam, two free throws. You know, Harden picks up a foul in the open court, bam, two free throws. And that is that is a really valuable advantage for a team to have over the course of a game. For sure. I mean, you know, and the other thing is, Embiid converts at a great, he shoots free throws very well. Harden obviously shoots free throws very well. That's going to be a real weapon. So we're going to get a real referendum on this Spears because the, the schedule coming up for the 76ers is incredibly challenging. It's probably not going to be fair for them to say, oh boy, this is the way they're going to be with Harden just a week in. But, you know, they get to play the Knicks on Wednesday as their next game in a home and home. If they get it at home. So then we get to really see them run the gauntlet. So Friday, seven, uh, Cavs in Philly. Uh, Garland and Lavert have been out for the Cavs, but they're both starting to do some work. So it's possible that the Cavs could be healthy by Friday, but that's just the beginning. Then Saturday, back-to-back, down in Miami. That's a real tough back-to-back. So Cavs Friday, Heat um, Saturday. Then Monday, third game in four nights, back at home to the Bulls. Major. And then 
They get a couple of days off, and th- next Thursday, the Nets come to Philly, which means Kyrie. Um, of course, that game is everyone circling March 10th. Kyrie will be eligible to play. Durant should be back this week. Um, I don't know about Simmons. I was just with the Nets on Saturday, and I kind of threw my uh, arms up when you know Steve Nash was talking about how his back is sore now. I have to believe that his back is sore. I I don't know what to say. Well, he said he they weren't going to trade James too. So, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I'm told you know. I mean, I talked to Rich Paul. His back is sore. Um, and look, if you haven't, if you're ramping up from not playing, I can see how your back could be sore, but I will just say that like Danny green comes out and says, he's not playing in that game. You know, he had that Danny green, his podcast. He, you know, I've never, I've <laughs> never heard Danny green talk trash. Maybe yeah. I've just have never heard Danny green. Maybe he does talk trash a lot, but the Danny green just came out. I was like, yeah, he's not going to play. I don't know. He'll make up something or whatever. And I it's was like, certainly not his first game. No way it could be his first game. Yeah. So, you know, now they've – it sounded to me like they had a return-to-play plan for him that was going to be well before that or several games before that, and now they're back to saying week-to-week. So I just can't see – I just can't see him now. But forget about all that. The, the, the Nets are going to have Kyrie and Durant likely for that game. It's a great test for the 76ers. So this gauntlet, this four-game gauntlet they're yeah. going to run starting Friday, depending on who's healthy for the Cavs, uh, Spears, we're going to get a real litmus test on just how good this Philly team is going to be. And I know Doc loves this. You know, um, he's certainly used to uh, changing pieces. He did that when KG and, and Ray oh, yeah. Allen came to the Celtics. So in Butu, uh, right? Yeah. He, he, but he also had an opportunity to take that team to uh, Paris. I mean, um, I'm sorry, it, Rome. Italy. And, and, and Italy. Did you, yeah. did you go on that trip? Were you in I Boston did. at the time? That was yeah. the first trip I made. It was amazing. Amazing. Um, which is on a different note. I'm glad to see Paul Ray and KG's kind of maybe kumbaya now after, you, I guess. Do you that think picture. so? Do you believe uh, that? I mean, KG doesn't fake it and neither does Ray. So right. they, if they well, took a picture together, right. To me, that was pretty big. What he's referring to is um, they had a big everybody who was at All Star got together for a big photo um, on the practice court that they had in Cleveland uh, before the game, before the All Star game on Sunday. And yes, there was that video going around social media of KG appearing to kind of like stonewall Ray as Ray came over and, you know, dapped LeBron or whatever it was. Then this photo with Paul Pierce. Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen coming together for a photo as a away from that photo shoot. Like they, it wasn't just, they were in the photo shoot. They actually yeah. posed next to each other for a photo. That's not something I thought I would see for until they well, were. Really and then Pierce dang Paul, man, bearing the lead. He, he posts a picture on Instagram and it's like picture number five in a slideshow. Like, how is that? The, <laughs> well, <laughs> how listen, is that the fifth picture? I love Paul. I've had some great times with him. I oh. wouldn't say his knowledge of Instagram is super high. Yeah, he just, but, you know, uh, he just randomly posted it in the, in the middle of a bunch he, of He's nothing. randomly done some other stuff on IG yeah. that has gotten him into trouble. But yes, so Touché. Doc had that, um, Doc had that, uh, that, you know, that whole, tr- you were talking about training camp. That was training camp plus yeah. extra time over in Europe. Um, 
But yeah, even, you're right. even, even Ray said that team didn't get on the same page to March. So that's why I like. Wait, wait, wait. didn't they start like 17 and two though? Yeah, I was going to say. I know, but then Ray <laughs> still said not on the same they page. didn't figure it out to March. Maybe they were just that good, right? Um, so that's the thing that's interesting about this team is, man, I, 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 I think I projected it wrong because that spacing, that fact that uh, you, you have to worry about Harden now and just opens up the MB like 27 free throws is insane, man. That's yeah, a lot. 27 like, free throws against the Knicks on and, Sunday. And I'm like, okay, was and I'm watching that game. Somebody told me and works for an NBA team. They're like, man, Embiid is getting a really good whistle. Like, he has the referee sold on everything. Like, he's getting a lot of calls that perhaps he shouldn't be getting, which I was like, but 27 free throws. Like, Well, that's an extreme. Just, that's an extreme yeah, case. If he but... could just get – if he could stay in double digit and free throw 10 to 15 a game, you know how big a boost that is? And then he's, like, yeah. fouling out all their bigs. Like, that's scary, man. Like, who who can guard him if they're spacing? Well, this is the thing. So I was in Milwaukee on Saturday night for the ABC game, Nets-Bucks. And the Nets had a, a terrific win that night. Uh, Kyrie was great. And Giannis just, just had a bad game, had a bad fourth quarter. Um, and the Nets were celebrating. You know, they had lost 15, 13 out of 15 coming into that. And the Nets were like, they were genuinely celebrating that victory. The, the, the music was pouring out of the locker room. Um, they were, I was uh, right outside their locker room when they came in. Um, they were really excited about that win just because they needed it so bad. Um, but, you know, in talking to the folks with Milwaukee, obviously the Bucks, as we do this right now, they're in fifth place in the East and, you know, they haven't, they've been really spotty um, for a lot of the season. They've had injuries and everything, but they're like really hoping that Brooke Lopez um, comes back. And one of the reasons why they're, you know, they, they went out and did the deal for Ibaka, but one of the reasons why they're really hoping that he can get back from this back surgery, um, is because they need him against Embiid. Like Embiid is a scary, very scary force. And, and that's always been the case. It's, you know, if, if you've, if you played Philly in the last three or four years, like you've had to have worries about Embiid, but he is so good right now. That even with Giannis on their side, they're like, man, we ju- we just really need that that uh, that situation. There's just there's there's just Pelton. There's just not that many guys in the NBA. Even Jokic, as great as he is, and everything that he does, he doesn't have the brute force that Embiid can 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 use. And you saw it in in the All Star game when they were really playing hard. Like brute force can still get it done at a high level in the NBA. I mean, it's obviously very different stylistically because of so much of what he does is facing up and, you know, his ability to outquick other centers, but in terms of his indefensibility and then just your need to, you know, as Spears mentioned, have multiple seven footers that can defend him if he's going to get so many of them in foul trouble, it does seem a lot like prime Shaq right now. I, I think the spacing aspect of it is going to really going to be interesting to watch. Uh, Maxi, these first couple of games has fared much better against closeouts, whether it's making spot up threes or driving those as kind of a second side guy than he did before James Harden arrived. And then the other piece of it is, you know, for defensive purposes is, is Tim Bontemps has talked a lot about a lot on this podcast. They need to start Matisse Thibel to match up with opposing wings. 
and he's obviously not a very good outside shooter. We saw the Knicks really aggressive helping off of him in the second half of that game, and they stymied Philly's offense a little bit at times, but then we also saw Thibault cutting and moving without the ball for layups, and that's where the other aspect of this is. The Sixers weren't a very good passing team this year. Without Simmons in the lineup, you know, Tyrese Maxey is a phenomenal player having a great season, but he's not really a natural playmaker for others. And getting someone in Harden in there who seems to take great joy in setting up his teammates, you know, similar to when he got to Brooklyn and was in the same kind of honeymoon period. And it was like, I'm going to be the point guard, Kyrie, you play off the ball that you're, you're happier doing that. That's sort of the setup now we're seeing with him and Maxi, and he is diming guys up. And that playmaking, I think, does also help create additional spacing when you don't have great shooting. It's kind of similar to the Warriors, the way that they've you know been able to compensate for Draymond Green, playing Draymond Green and Kevon Looney together this season. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Right. Well, I'll tell you, you know, as I've talked to league, league executives, because I'm asking league executives a lot about Philly you know, and everybody's just seen them for a brief period of time, but they're already speculating what Tobias Harris trades they might look at this summer because Tobias is, uh, especially if Maxi is going to be this type of um, offensive option. Because when you look at the Sixers, their, their backup, I mean, they've got Willie Cauley-Stein as their backup center. Under certain matchups, you know, if they need a big or if Embiid gets in foul trouble, that's a problem. And then they really do need some more perimeter defense. They need three and D. Everybody needs three and D. But um, it's it's key that, you know, that, you know when you talk about matchups, um, because uh, – um, you know, when you think about the playoffs, like you, you're going to have to have your best defenders out there. And as you said that, you know, they're going to be able to help off. And so I, it's how Tobias fits in, what his role is, and then what they decide to do with him in the off season is going to be uh, very interesting. But I, I would say 10 days from now, we're going to have a real good test on, uh, on where Philly is. Um, so Spears, you spent this last weekend, um, doing some landscaping uh, <laughs> uh, in, in, in the college ranks uh, watching Gonzaga play. And when I, when we started talking about this, uh, this pod, I was starting to talk about who I want to talk about. 
And you, I said, I want to talk about Philly. And you're like, yeah, I want to talk about Chet Holmgren. The, uh, you know, definitely top two pick. Maybe, you know, some people think going to be number one pick in the draft coming up who plays for Gonzaga. So you got to see him in person. I know you were tweeting about it a little bit. Um, what was your takeaway over the guy you're probably going to be dealing with a lot for the next 10 to 15 years? All three of us will be. He's He is all of 7'3". I mean, let me first. Nobody's that. listed at Pelton. I thought he was seven one. I wonder what he's listed at. Or seven one, seven three. I guess tomato, tomato. <laughs> he, he he's all a seven one. Um, and seeing him in person, seeing how long he is, but also seeing how slim he is, right? Uh, certainly is a, uh, you know, is telling. Um. He does stuff defensively that I haven't seen. Well, not that I saw this, but you'll laugh at this, Brian. He blocks shots like Bill Russell. Like he grabs it with two hands on the glass. I, I don't know anybody that really does that on a regular basis. Not not on a fast break, like de- defending a fast break, but just in the half court. He's he's a really, really good rebounder. And I think the spacing of the NBA is going to help him the same way, you know, um, it helped Mobley um, with the Cavs, uh, who also is quite slender too. Um, Boy, Mobley's got how many pounds do you think Mobley has on on Holmgren, uh, Pelton? I'll bet it's twenty at least, 30. right? It's, yeah, I mean, but but I saw Mobley play at USC and he was smaller than two. Yeah. The thing that concerns me about Chet is like his father is of that same build too. Like, you know, to kind of yes. sometimes you can look at the dad and say, okay, well, the dad is bigger. Like I saw, you know, Arvita Sabonis, like uh DeMontis was very slim at Gonzaga. But I saw I knew his dad's build and felt like he was gonna grow into that. So that is a big concern. Is how is this kid gonna do physically on the boards? He got the first game against USF, which is out here, I'll say, University of San Francisco, he did really well. And he did some scary things, like ran the floor, dunked head above the rim. In Bill Russell's gym. You're, ta- you're comparing to Bill, Bill Russell's, Russell. Bill Russell's gym with Bill Cartwright watching, uh, with Mitch Kupchak watching, who came out to see him play two games. Uh, just uh, did some scary offensive things. Uh, you, you just can't stop him when he spins and 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 lays the ball in, or when he dunks, he can catch alley oop, shoots threes. But that strength, man, or that lack thereof, that showed against St. Mary's two days later. Like St. Mary's didn't have the talent, but they were had an amazing game plan, and they were really, really physical with him. They're very well coached, extremely well Randy, coached. Randy the ben. game plan they had, like they shouldn't have won that game, and they whooped Gonzaga. They, but they, they basically, you know, put that 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 shoulder on on um, Chet from the beginning, and he kind of disappeared. So, an NBA scout, he told me that uh, when I saw him in San Francisco, I thought, "Wow!" But then when I saw him against St. Mary's, I had more questions, which I which I thought was pretty interesting, like in terms of how he would adapt to the physicality of the NBA. 
you've gotten to see him play. He's out in your neck of the woods there, Pelton. I mean, I know you're not, he's not in Seattle, but uh, at Gonzaga, I'm sure he's on TV a lot. Yeah, for the record, first he's listed at seven foot one ninety five. So think about that seven foot I, under two hundred pounds. Yeah, and, I've seen him listed at seven one places. So I don't know yeah. what it is, but and um, he, I mean, I, I we had those concerns about Evan Mobley, but they definitely are at another level with Chet in terms of handling the physicality, and that's where I think you know it's going to be really interesting to see him again in the NCAA tournament. I, the sense is that scouts were kind of disappointed with his performance in the non-conference part of Gonzaga's season, which obviously yeah. is even as good as the West Coast Conference is this year. And they've got, you know, four legit teams that could make the NCAA tournament, including San Francisco, which hasn't done it since the 1980s. So it'll be very awesome if they get there despite losing that game to uh, Gonzaga. It's still a different level of talent than you're playing in Gonzaga's really difficult non-conference schedule and that they're going to face again in the NCAA tournament. So he's been more effective in West Coast Conference play, and I think it's going to be a big question how much that carries over. I'm excited to see. I did see him once in person. They played. uh, They returned for the battle in Seattle here, which was uh, their loss to Alabama. Uh, one of their three losses this season. And then presumably I'm covering the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament in Portland. And it it seems like a pretty safe assumption that Gonzaga is going to be there and I'll be courtside and get a chance to really look at him. But he's number one in my projections. There is one other player, uh, actually another center, shockingly, Auburn's Walker Kessler, their number two pro prospect after Jabari Smith is number one in the stats only component of my projections. But then when you factor in where these guys rank in the top 100 from our colleagues, Jonathan Gavoni and Mike Schmitz, Holmgren is at the top of the list ahead of Jabari Smith, ahead of Paolo Bancaro, the other two guys that are really considered in contention and kind of a tier ahead of everyone else. Wait, Pelton, is there, there's a uh, regional in Seattle? In Portland. Portland. In Portland. Because they have one in San Francisco too. I thought uh, I, I thought they might be coming here. But we'll see. Which, which, I, which I round is you- that? I think you get in Arizona. Arizona will be the the draw in the the California, so or this that's the regional is in San Francisco, isn't it? The first round, first two oh, rounds. Okay, so yeah, the first and second. All right, rounds. guys, yeah, we Arizona. talk about the NBA. We talk about. The NBA. <laughs> I'm just hey, but um, but but I will say this for for the people that that do care. Um, I did get a text, and, and Brian, this is you know, hey, this is your show, so you you tell me if you want to hear this or not. I always um, want to hear it. I always want to hear it. But uh, a, a scout kind of gave me his, who he deemed to be his top five right now in terms of this upcoming NBA draft. And it kind of surprised me. You want me to tell you a couple yes, names? Yes, oh my God, I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what surprised me. He had Paul, pa- I'm saying his name wrong, probably pa- Paola Banchero from Duke Six. That, that, um, is, a, that is a take. Yeah, uh, number five, Walker Kessler of Auburn. Four, Johnny Pel- Davis. Pelton, Pelton loves him. Yeah, I, I need to go watch him more. Uh, Johnny Davis of Wisconsin, four. He had Holmgren, three. Jabari Smith, two, from Auburn. And number one, and I got to watch this guy, Jaden Ivey of Purdue. So let me just say that uh, my first experience watching Chet Holmgren play I watched the Americans play the French in the U19 um, uh, World Championships that took place last summer in Latvia. And it was a tremendous game. The Americans won by two. Chet Holmgren was named the MVP of the tournament, but he was not the MVP of the, um, uh, of the, of the last game. The MVP of the last game 
was the guy we're going to be talking about next year a lot. Uh, and just put this name in the back of your head, uh, Victor Wembayama. Am I saying that right, Pelton? Wembanyama. Victor Wembanyama, who's a seven foot two, uh, 18-year-old from France, who I was talking to one scout today. He compared him. God, I don't want to get it wrong. He was like, he's, I don't, actually, I don't want to get it wrong. I mean, it's, go, my, oh. it's Gobert meets a guy who can shoot threes. I mean, it's he, Gobert Holmgren, meets, Dur- meets Durant, I think is what he's. Really? Yeah. I um, mean, Holmgren has this unique skill set where he's a seven footer who can shoot threes and block yeah. shots. And like the whole idea of this being a unicorn now is kind of lost. But Wimbanyama is, he makes Chet Holmgren look kind of short. He's a couple yeah. inches tall. If you, you want to get, if you want to prepare your uh, snarky tweets for Tankarama, for Wembayama, or whatever, get ready for that kind of stuff because this is the type of prospect he is. He's a potential game-changing prospect. So he was in that game, and um, and so you know, Gavoni. I'm pretty sure. I think he went to Latvia, if I remember correctly. It was big enough for him mid-pandemic. I think he did. I, I don't, I don't, maybe I don't want to say that for sure, but uh, Gavoni, this was like Gavoni Super Bowl last year. And um, actually, Jaden Ivey from Purdue, in my re- remembrance of the game, he played the best in that game. And I had not actually heard of him before. And I remember thinking, this kid is from, he's, he's probably going to have a, if this is the way he's going to play, he's probably going to be pretty darn good for Purdue this year because I hadn't heard of him. And sure enough, Purdue's been a top five team and uh, he is pretty good. Uh, you know, as I talked to scouts about Holmgren, so one of the things that I watched quite a bit of video on Holmgren before this season started. And one of the things that I took away from it is he's extremely competitive. Yes. Um, he, he is not one of these guys who's seven foot who they had to like shove out of the basketball court. He loves the game. He can dribble, pass and shoot. And a lot of people compare him to Porzingis because he's real thin. And I got to say, he moves better. I think Porzingis was bigger <laughs> physically. I mean, like had more meat. If you can believe that, I think yeah. Porzingis as a had, rookie. Yeah, I think so. That's how okay. thin Holmgren is. I was talking yes. to one scout who was at an was at an AAU event um, last summer. Um, and he said he saw Holmgren change his shirt and he says, he says, my God, I could see his rib cage. And like you, you, that's, that's the kind of stuff that scouts go to see. I know that sounds bizarre, but that's like what they go to see. They're trying to figure out like, you know, what's going on here. But while he is, while he is, you know, light, he is not soft. No, that is something to, to, to definitely point out. He has an edge to him. Um, you know what, Brian? Should we stop saying Porzingis in terms of and not even body him or Mobley and start maybe comparing him to Manute? I think Bowl? I think to be honest with or you. Or Bobo. Well, he <laughs> I mean and I'm just know, talking body. Picture in between uh man, picture in between Bobo and and Porzingis as a rookie. If you can do that, I think that's appropriate to where he is. Um, no, I think he probably, and I don't want to put words in his mouth. I think he probably envisions himself more like Durant. I think he sees himself as I'm going to be a slim reaper because 
he can he can get stuff done. On well, the team. one thing I did see, Brian, that I think St. Mary's giving their coaching staff credit again, did a great job of is he likes to dribble to the middle and when the defense blocks him, he loves to spin to his left. And every time Gonzaga did that against uh, St. Mary's, they got like a steal. Hmm. And I'm like, uh, he has to switch, start switching that up, be more creative because, you know, the NBA will figure that out real quick if that's, yeah. you know, it's pet move. So the thing is going to be, so it's going to just be interesting um, when it comes down to it. So, by the way, they play, you know, Pelton is right. Early in the season, the non-conference, he wasn't super impressive. But as I talked to some scouts who, you know, the scouts are tracking him very closely. And the scouts say that, a lot of a lot of scouts, both games. I want yeah, to. but um, that. Gonzaga really wasn't sure how to use him. And so they've altered how they're using him. They're using him on trail threes and putting the ball in his hands a little bit more. Like it, it took them a while to figure out how to use him. And it, they're sort of sectioning off the first part of the season, but I don't want to get too much into that. What I think is going to be interesting as I talk to these scouts is, and that, by the way, he played Duke and uh, Paolo Banchero. And Banchero, if I'm correct, Pelton outplayed him. Yeah, that was a that was a good performance and and first loss for Gonzaga this season. We've talked about all three of them. <laughs> they won a lot of games. They were the <laughs> one ranked team. They were the one ranked team until they lost to St. Mary's. Um, and they play a very challenging schedule, brutal schedule. Um, but I was talking to some scouts and they were like, "Look, uh, they've played. You know, Paolo and Chet have played a lot in their careers, and Chet has a lot of." marks on his side he's gotten the better of paolo a number of times so they told me not to overreact to that um but the real question is going to be banchero because i think pelton do you think it'll come down to banchero and holmgren for one or do you think i, th- I think smith is very much in the mix okay. i mean he's a, yeah. i don't know how much you've seen of him but he's a fascinating player he has such an effortless jumper it, it, it is very durant like in its own respect, he's not the ball handler that Duran is and is comfortable making plays off the dribble right now. But, you know, he's 6'10", high release. You yeah. cannot affect his shot. Well the, well, the question on Holmgren is going to be, what's your appetite for potentially letting him big, bulk up and develop a little bit? Because Smith and Banchero may be better as rookies. Um, yeah. But I, I will violate my own law here and briefly wiggle in to say something about the Lakers (laughs) as everybody was making their commentary about just how awful the Lakers lost to the Pelicans was (laughs) on Sunday night. And it was awful. I know where you're going. Nobody seems to talk about the fact that the Pelicans were extremely motivated to win that game. Why? Because they get the Lakers first round pick. If it falls in the top 10, if it's, falls 11 through 30 it won't be going 30 um it goes to memphis and if it gets in the top 10 it goes unprotected to new orleans so um keep an eye on that if you're a pelicans fan just in general i mean i i was not super duper uh hawkish on this what this lakers team would be but i did not think we would be worried about where their pick might fall uh, relative to the to the Pelicans, um, can I right, add we'll one talk- more thing? Yeah. Uh, also with Gonzaga, I'm gonna tell you this: 
Keep an eye on Julian Julian Strother. I'm just telling you this. Five years from now, he might be the best one out of that whole team. He, what does Pelton's computer say? He recently popped into the top 100. I mean, I, you know, I, I think Holmgren is the much better prospect, but he's got the combination of size, athleticism, shooting ability that the teams are going to want in the NBA for sure. One NBA so, agent told me yesterday, shut up, stop, don't say his name publicly. <laughs> Violation already. A no, violation. no, me, meaning he wants people to sleep on him. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, and you're already yeah, yeah, yeah. doing that. You're already doing it. Yeah. Our producer Jackson is uh saying uh Paolo Bancaro. Stop saying Banchero. So I apologize. Um I PB. botched <laughs> Paolo. Just call him Paolo. I think I could figure that out. Yeah. But uh but Victor Wenbayama. Did I say that right, Pelton? Wimbanyama. Wimbanyama. So where does he where is he playing now? He I think he plays for Tony Parker's team. He does. Uh, I won't even try to pronounce that name. Giannis's as, brother plays there too. As Ansville? Osville? Yeah. yeah, I'm so sorry. Yeah, Leon. I'm uh yeah, so yeah. Um it'll be interesting to see where he plays next year. Um that will be uh fascinating. But he is as exciting of a prospect out of Europe since Luca, one of the more exciting we've had in a long time. So mm. we'll see that. Um I also wanted to talk, speaking of uh French French stars, um, we talked uh, during January, we were taking a close look at the Utah Jazz when they were um down on the on their luck. Uh, Donovan Mitchell was out with the concussion. Gobert was out. I don't remember what his injury was, but he was out. And they lost, uh, I believe, seven out of eight games. And there was issues internally, um, passive-aggressive stuff between Gobert and Donovan. Uh, Donovan has loudly refuted all of that. Uh, I don't know what's true and what's not. But what I do know is they got those guys healthy and they have started playing much better basketball. They had a terrific uh, weekend where they beat Dallas, who's been playing really well at home, and then went to Phoenix and I will say this now: Phoenix has taken some some bumps since Chris Paul went down. Um, they beat Phoenix in a clutch situation, and this year nobody has touched Phoenix in clutch situations. They've pretty much been unbeatable in those uh, moments. Without Chris Paul, um, it was, <laughs> and unfortunately, Jay Crowder with the ball in his hand with a terrible turnover uh, late in the game on Sunday. But um, they win in Phoenix, the start of a five-game road trip. Um, it's a manageable five-game road trip. Their next uh, three games are Rockets, Pelicans, Thunder. Um, but a uh, five-game road trip that they're starting. They've won, They've now won eight of nine and are hey, playing. Yeah. Fun fact, who's the loss? <laughs> At the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It was not, a, oh, my bad. We're not supposed to talk about them. No, I mean, hey, listen, it was a great win for the Lakers uh, that night. And and by the way, it wasn't like one of these nights where the, the jazz just laid an egg. Like that happens. You know, I think uh, Mitchell scored like 38 that night. Yeah. And, um, but I think uh, I'm trying to remember, I should look up and see. I, I know LeBron played well, but I, I don't know if uh, monk went off or something, but um, yeah, that's, that's been the Lakers biggest win in a while, but anyway, and, the jazz has only lost in February. Is that right? Okay. 
You're yeah. right. One, two, three. Yeah, they were sub. There's something in one in February. Their February is complete. So, um, so Pelton, um, I looked it up. So the Jazz, obviously, they've had a great offensive team for the last few years. Um, and sure enough, during this stretch of nine games, they've been the number one offense in the league. But to me, the key for this team, even though they were so great defensively last year, they haven't had that defensive edge this year. And um, they, you know, obviously when Gobert was out, their defense cratered. In fact, their defense takes a big step back when Gobert ever goes off the court. But during this stretch with Gobert as the as the point of attack, especially against the Mavericks, where he was switching on to Doncic and playing great defense down the stretch. They've been seventh in the league on defense during the stretch of eight out of nine. So um, what have you seen from the Jazz uh, that you think is sticky, that can that can last uh, more than just this stretch? Yeah, I don't want to get too excited necessarily about that win over the Suns without Chris Paul, but I do think there was an element of, look, you know, they hadn't beaten Phoenix these last two years. Granted, Mitchell and Gobert had met, either one or the other had missed a lot of those matchups. They hadn't really been whole, but, you know, if it had been the case that they had lost again to the Suns without Chris Paul, I think there would have been some confidence issues because you look at these two games they played Friday, Sunday, Dallas, Phoenix. If the season ended today and it looks likely that they're going to stay in that four spot, those would be their first two matchups, the Mavericks in the first round and then potentially the Suns in the second round. So these are telling playoff previews. And one of the things that stood out is a little more defensive versatility from the Jazz, who have been one of the most extreme drop coverage teams in the league the last few years. And I think that's something teams have been able to exploit against them in the playoffs where that style becomes more difficult to play. And it, it really plays into the Phoenix's hands with as much as Chris Paul and Devin Booker like to get to mid range jumpers and, and take those. So in that game, we saw Booker go off in the first quarter and it's not just Gobert off the court this year. It's Gobert and Whiteside off the court because Hassan Whiteside, as much as we're used to thinking of him as a punching bag, has really given them some nice play as a backup center this year. And he came in and was playing much more to the level of the screen as opposed to dropping back and and making it more difficult for Booker to get to the mid-range. And that was quite effective for them. They started to, uh, as they came back in that game after Phoenix led big early, on Friday night, it was Gobert in down the stretch, and it was him frequently switching on Luka Doncic, which was terrific theater. Uh, there was one key play where Doncic complained afterwards that he'd gotten fouled in the last two-minute report. Is that uh, his man McMahon mentioned on Twitter confirmed that he had gotten fouled, so Luka could have won that one and, and did get the better of him sometimes. But Gobert definitely got the better of that matchup at times as well, and it showed that you know it's not a case of we have to keep Gobert right around the basket or he's going to be worthless. That's been the best situation for the Mavericks because or for the Jazz rather because if it's not him at the basket, nobody else is going to protect the rim for them but he was able to get out there on Doncic move his feet and be effective block his shot at times vivid seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring experience every pitch assist and game-winning shot live and in person and the best part each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with vivid seat rewards score unbeatable perks like free tickets surprise seat upgrades and annual birthday deals as official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists 
who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. You know, I, 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 I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say this. I'm watching the Warriors and starting to get a little nervous for them. Uh, and that four and a half cushion probably is safe. But the Warriors had a horrible February. They split February. Um, they're not playing good basketball right now. And, and I don't know if that's really maybe the Dallas game kind of put an exclamation point to it. But I, I wonder if the Jazz, if the Warriors keep playing like this, um, could get within reach. Um, there is time. And uh, the Warriors are probably playing the worst basketball amongst the top eight teams in the Western Conference right now. Well, I mean, it just depends on, look, the, the Warriors' credibility on injuries this year is pretty shot with me when they didn't announce that James Wiseman had to have a second surgery. Yeah. So they've been shady. Look, I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying uh, they've been shady with Draymond, what his situation is. Yeah. And maybe they don't know, you know, yeah. Draymond says before all-star. Yeah. I'm probably back in three or four weeks and a week goes by and he says, ah, oh, probably back in three or four weeks. Yeah. So like, I mean, and I'm not, <laughs> you know, uh, to me, Draymond is, is so, so important to them. Like, yeah. Draymond still hasn't played with Clay this year. Yeah. They you haven't know, had their team. They are so I don't Draymond's real last game was January 6th to me. I don't count Clay's return game where right, he basically came in. But they were 29, the Warriors were 29 and 9 at that after that win on January 6th. Since then without Draymond, they're 14 and 9. I mean that's the guy, uh, is, the guy is vital. The guy is yeah. vital if you want to win a championship, and especially from a focus standpoint, not blowing those lead like they did last night or a Sunday night against Dallas. I mean, look at like Steph. Look what yeah. just just look at Steph's output without Draymond. I mean, yeah. Draymond is is just vital for him, and so I mean, I'll 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 believe. That he that you know that he's you know he said he's getting better. I believe him, but like I don't know if that means he's going to be good to go. I mean, that, to me, that's one of the most important things in the league right now is what's going on with Draymond because yes. you know Chris Paul has a hand Agreed. injury. He's had like seven of them. Yeah. He he knows like you know he, he knows what's like to come back. He'll do what he has to do. He might have a little bit of an issue, but I know his hand is going to heal. I just don't know what's going to happen. Back back injuries are so vicious and so brutal. And this one is a nerve issue. Like this isn't, you know, uh, I don't know, man. It's just. It's mysterious. It, it, like especially we know since they look so good. Going to heal, yeah. right? Yeah. They look so good. They look like yeah. they, they, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the 73 win team was just on another planet, but they looked as good as they have in any other season other than that 73 win season. And Steph was rolling. So, um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't Wiseman, know. I'm, I'm intrigued what he does, and he, he brings some sides that they definitely need. 
They just but assigned essentially him to he's the still G a league, rookie. Right? He's been yeah. He's been, he's playing the G League right now. Yeah. Well, he he's practicing with the team, and I asked her yesterday or Sunday night. I said, "Hey, is he gonna play for them?" And Kerr didn't answer that question. Yeah. You know, I I actually don't think it would be a bad deal for him to play a couple games for Santa Cruz. Just to yeah, just I, to work out the kinks. I I agree. Um. I let Ben Simmons play for the Delaware Blue Hens right now. To be honest with you, yeah, they're well, not called the Blue. What are they called? Them, right? They're called. I'm not called the, the Blue the, Hens. The eighty-seven the Blue Coats. <laughs> I'll let him play for the the Blue Hens. Uh, I know that's that's the um, I made a that's that the University of Delaware, right? Yeah, I say I, I screwed it up because he's also not in Philadelphia anymore. Uh, right, he's doing, yeah. <laughs> the Long Island, Anyways, Island Nets. Yeah, the Long Island Nets. Sorry. Yeah, um, well, and, and yeah, why shouldn't he go practice with them? Well, I, I have said this. Um, in the past, I don't, it's, it's deemed like below players to, I crossed Isaiah Thomas on this years ago. Uh, and he blocked me on Twitter when I said it, when I said it, and I've never been allowed back. Um, when he was coming back from his first hip injury with the Cavs, he was just, he was just struggling so much. I just, I suggested he go to the G league to try to work out some rust. And I don't know why it's okay for a $30 million pitcher to go down and play in the minor leagues, but it's not okay for an NBA yeah. player on, on rehab assignment. Not because you're you. in a slump on a rehab assignment, go play. I don't know why we haven't crossed that sphere yet, but that's away from what we're talking about here. But I, I would just say um, this is a really important season for the jazz. Um, their team is older they don't have much upward mobility in terms of what they can do with their roster because they've traded a bunch of picks already. They really need this group to work Pelton. And um, they got sideways in January. They're back rolling in February. Um, there's some weakness ahead of them. You know, this is a key moment for them as they, you know, this is a key few months for the jazz about where this group is going to go. Yeah, I mean, as much as we've you you mentioned the friction that we've supposedly heard about between Mitchell and Gobert, etc. If you win, that all takes care of itself. That happens when you lose. Then right. people start looking around to point fingers and find someone to blame. When they when we win, there's enough credit to go around for everybody. And well, I guess not always. You you could look at the uh, the Durant Curry Warriors situation, but but typically, especially <laughs> when you haven't won before, that is that's true. That is the case. Uh, I. I'm not, I don't think they're going to be able to catch the Warriors. It, it's possible, but I still think it's probably pretty unlikely. Our, uh, the BPI projections have them two games back on average. Yeah. Memphis, on the other hand, has a very good chance to catch the Warriors and finish yeah. second in the West and have home court if those two teams meet in the second round. No question. Yeah, yeah Memphis. I, I, uh, I, mean, I got to tell I'll, you what, I, I love, um, love high-level trash talk and... I, I want to get it right. What what was it thing that Des Bain said about the Lakers um about maybe three, four weeks ago in that game where um where uh LeBron got all mad. Yeah, um what he said nobody's nobody fears those footsteps anymore. Your footsteps um, ain't scaring nobody. Your, your footsteps ain't scaring <laughs> nobody. What's the Lakers record since Des Bain leveled that? Because I'll tell you one thing. Uh, that wait, was wait, some... wait, 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 wait. How did you go? How do we go from what Pelton was talking about to 
You said at the beginning you weren't going to talk Damn. about these dudes. Yeah, no, I appreciate. He's appreciate. talking about. Wait, wait, wait. He's talking about Memphis and the Warriors, and then you brought up Bay, like because I'm I'm because I'm thinking about my respect level for the Grizzlies and that, and I was just like, all right, I'm trying to figure uh, out the segue here, yeah, especially. But but you you're holding me accountable. You're holding me accountable. <laughs> And I appreciate that, Spears. I'm trying to help you. You said you didn't want to talk about them. (laughs) You're right. Friends help friends. Six and 14 since Des Bain said them footsteps ain't scaring nobody. Six and 14. Des Bain and John (laughs) Moran. Bringing down the Laker dynasty. Um, Well, are you are you running any projections right now, uh, Pelton, on what you think the seeds will be in the West? I mean, I, you know, I, I think that the Warriors have a chance to hold the Grizzlies off for a second. Again, as we talked about, depending how quickly Draymond gets back in the lineup, how close to 100% he is. I think that's the, the real battle to watch. But the Jazz do have a chance to get up in there. I, I think maybe they'll be a little less motivated than they would have been, you know, if it was again, if they had lost that game to the Suns and we're staring at we're Owen six against Phoenix the last two seasons, granted, with a bunch of injuries for the Jazz in those games. All right. Um, all right. Well, thank you guys very much. Spears has an overseas trip coming up. I'm not going to give it away because I want to talk to him about it later on. I'm not going to give it away, but Spears travel safe. Uh, unless you want to give it away. You don't want to give it away, nope. right? Let's wait. All right, let's a, wait. I got a test to pass. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You got to pass the test. All right. You got to pass the test here and there and everything like that. Let's make yeah. sure everything's okay. Yeah, you know yeah. Let's make sure I get there first. I'm going to Boston. We can spill all the great. You're going to Boston for um, for uh, Sloan. Yeah, we right? can spoil that trip, I think. Okay. All right. What's, well, what, yeah, what, look... what's the, what panel are you on? Uh, I'm not on a panel, but. Uh... We'll be Should taking be. it all in, and then he's uh, not on a panel, Spears, but he'll be in the back signing autographs because <laughs> the people who come to Sloan, the machine is one of their heroes, and I'm not joking; I'm being serious. No, I'm, yeah. that's why I said he should be on a on a panel. How many photographs do you pose for at Sloan? Uh, the, I know the, that it's happened. Uh, it might have happened at one. Well, I posed for a photo with Sue Bird at Sloan, but it was it wasn't by her request. So that, <laughs> That went the other way around. All right, man. I never got invited to that thing, man. I don't, I don't understand. Well, I I don't know that and I, I got a master's in, invitation. In, in sports business management. You thought that might have got me an inv- invitation, but we we would love to have you, Spares. Man, invite me one year. I'd love to come. All right, the invitation is out there. Twenty twenty three, right? It all depends on uh, where you are with Maury. If Daryl Maury, if you're in his good graces, oh, that's, I am not. Well, that explains everything. I am not in Daryl's good graces. I will not. So he, I, I will he never ex- be seen. Again. He's the ringleader of the thing. He, he is the uh, co-founder. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, then God, that explains everything. Uh, God knows how well, much. Let money me know how it is, Kevin. I, I apparently am in good because I tweeted on Friday night that uh, Harden had three of the top 10 game scores in his debut with a new team since 1983. And, and Daryl fondly remembered two of those he, three. Yeah, he probably liked it right away. So that'll do it. All right. Thanks, Pelton. Thanks, Spears. Thanks for listening to Hoop Collective. We'll talk to you guys later this week.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.